Thanks for listening to this message from The Block KC. The Block KC exists to help young adults build their lives on what counts. We believe that is Jesus and what God has revealed in His Word. We'd love to see you next Thursday, 7 p.m. at Lenexa Baptist Church. Now, let's listen to this week's message. Block Kansas City, how are we living tonight? Scott took my intro, that's what I always say. Maybe that's what he always says, but man, it's good to be back with y'all. If you have a copy of God's Word, flip open to John 14 tonight. Like Scott said, we're going to be continuing on in week two of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have a Bible, uh, stop by the Connect Center afterwards. We'd love to get you one. It's one of, honestly, just my favorite things to do to hand someone a Bible if they don't have one. Our leaders love to do that too. Uh, so you're not going to be troubling anyone if you need a Bible. That is one of the reasons why we're here. Uh, to set up tonight's passage, though, I want to tell you all a story. Um, when I was little, I loved a lot of things. One thing that stands out in my mind as I think back was reading. I really loved to read growing up. Did anyone grow up reading Bob books? Okay, one person. Fantastic. You're probably a great reader because they really helped. Uh, man, anyone read Harry Potter growing up? Controversial, I know. Ooh. Can I say that up here? Uh, I read the Chronicles of Narnia, less controversial. Anyone read those? I loved to read. My older sister was actually a huge reader, and so I really wanted to be like her. My older sister, I thought that she was the coolest person alive. That's not normally the interaction that you have with an older sibling, but she still is just the coolest person alive. And I wanted to also read because I'm a little competitive, and I didn't want to be left behind. Uh, I wanted to learn. But there was one huge problem with me reading when I was ages three to five. You guys can probably guess what it is. I couldn't read because I was three. And you can't, it just makes it hard to read when you can't read. Um, I needed help, right? Naturally, I needed a lot of help. But several times a week when I was, um, my sister would go to school, my mom and dad would go to work, and I got to go to Nana and Papa's house. And Nana and Papa are amazing, and I just have so many great memories at their house, and conveniently, Nana and Papa can read. So that's great. Um, And I have just vivid memories of sitting on my grandma's lap for probably what was ours, having her just read different books to me. And I I loved just hearing her read all these different books. My favorite one was called The Mitten. It was all these animals trying to cram themselves into a tiny little mitten. Great book. Fantastic. You all should go read it at some point. Check it out at the library. Um, But I didn't just want my grandma to read the books to me. I wanted to learn to read, so I would have my grandma read the words backwards. Like, I would have her go through and read the book backwards because I wanted to understand, okay, how do you read this book? And even that, I wanted her to read the actual words backwards. Like, I wanted her to go in and pronounce what the word would be if the letters were in reverse order. And she was just such a wonder, she is such a wonderful lady and just really, honestly, did it for like hours. And she would continue and she would fall asleep while this was happening. And I would just nudge her, Nana, wake up. Nana, wake up. We laugh about that to this day. Um, But I learned to read. Slowly, week after week and year after year, I learned to read. And the thing was, before that, I was powerless to learn to read. I could not have taught myself. There was nothing that I could do to understand the letters and the words. I needed a helper. 
And so tonight, as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're going to be talking about how the Holy Spirit is our helper. And the reason this is important is because y'all need help. Like you just, and it sounds bad, right? I need help too, but we need help. We do. If you're new to faith or following Jesus, it might sound like a weird claim that I'm about to make, but every area of our lives, we need assistance. The Bible says that there is not a single area of our life that we can carry out without God. Why? Because we're not all powerful, right? We're not all knowing. We make mistakes, we sin, we're not perfect, and we're not made for independence. And so if you're here tonight and you've been trying to navigate relationships or work, maybe even spirituality, religion, and you feel like you're failing in one or all of those categories, there is good news. Because there's a God who loves you, and he wants you to depend on him. And he helps us in all of these aspects of life. And here at The Block, we talk often about our need to rely on God, and how God shapes different parts of our lives. And we've talked, even just this year, about how God's word and God's people shape our lives. And we've talked about the need for God to work and shape our lives in the area of relationships, and our thought life, and work, and rest, and so many other vital aspects of life. But tonight, we want to take a step back and ask ourselves, how exactly is God himself working and helping us in these areas? We know that he does, and we know that we need him to, but how exactly is God actually going to help us? What is it about God that's transforming us if we are followers of Jesus? And so this evening, we're going to read about how Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit in John 14. Um, if you're new to the Bible, John is the fourth book of the New Testament. It's written by one of Jesus' closest friends and followers on this earth. And for context for all of us, this passage is Jesus' last night on earth before the crucifixion. Jesus is spending some final time with his disciples, and he's trying to impart to them, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to follow him and live that out on this world? And he does things to show them. He actually gets down and he washes his disciples' feet, which in that day, in this day, it's kind of gross. But in that day, it was specifically gross because you just wore sandals and so your feet were dusty. And Jesus lowered himself and he served his disciples by washing their feet. And then he says that they need to love each other the way that Jesus has loved them. You might have heard this next claim. It's when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he's explaining to them the only way to find life is in Jesus, and the call to Jesus is to love each other the way that Jesus has loved us. And you might be thinking, man, that's a high call. That's a hard claim. And so then Jesus is going to go and explain how is it that we're actually supposed to accomplish these things. And my goal is that tonight each of us would understand and have clarity and confidence about the ways that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. I think sometimes there's a lot of mystery or confusion about the person of the Holy Spirit and what his role is in our life. And so my hope is just that this would bring awe, gratitude, praise, and clarity and confidence as we just study who God is, as we study what does the Bible have to say about the Holy Spirit. So with that, let's pray, and we'll hop right into John 14. Heavenly Father, we, we need you. God, we need you to... Uh, have your spirit teach us from your word tonight. God, I'm thankful for the way that you have brought everyone here. God, the fact that it's your spirit uh, drawing us to know you deeper every single day. 
God, I pray that in all areas of our life, God, would we acknowledge that we need a helper? God, would we acknowledge that we need you? And God, would you guide us in all of these things? And so God, just tonight, would you clarify who you are to us? God, would you reveal, us, uh, reveal to us who you are through your word? And God, would it not be my words, but your word that shines through? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so John 14, uh, just a heads up, Jesus is speaking in some figures of speech. So we're going to break this down together, and we're going to need some help. Uh, thankfully, God is a helper. That's, a, you know, that's the talk. Um, so verse 15 seven, or through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Starting off tonight, I think it's profitable for us to look at these three verses and ask the question, what can we learn about who God is? That's actually a great practice. Anytime you're studying the Bible, ask yourself the question, what does this say about who God is? So we're going to do that. We're going to look at these three verses and say, what does God say about himself? It makes sense. If we're going to do a series on God, we want to know what God says right, about himself. Uh, So what do we see? We see right there at the beginning, Jesus says that he gives commandments, which means that God is a moral God. We see that he says the helper will be with us forever, which means that he's an eternal God. We see that he describes the spirit of God as the spirit of truth, which means that God is true or is in control of truth. We see that the world can't receive God, which means that God is holy or sinless without sin. He's set apart. He's perfect. The world here is describing just the sinful, corrupt uh, humanity without Jesus. It's not um, saying the earth itself. He says that we can know God, which means that God is a personal God. He dwells with and in his followers, so he's a close or nearby God. And we see that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And so he's a triune or three-personed God. There's a trinity. That's what the trinity comes from. So from three verses, right, we can pick up all that about who God is. You begin to see that there's this eternal, triune, complex God who's holy, he's truthful, he's moral, he's close by, he's personal. And you begin to see, man, God is just amazing. God is different. God is altogether higher than us. God is not like us. And it only scratches the surface of who God is. I mean, but wow, what a picture. What a picture of who God is. And listen to this. That God who is so different and so powerful and so complex and infinite wants to be your helper. Point number one tonight, if you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit is a helper. The Holy Spirit is a helper. It's so important because we, before we look at how the Spirit helps us, we need to understand its core to who he is to help. This being that created us, and he's so much bigger and more powerful and infinite, he is intimately concerned with humanity. He's infinite, or intimately concerned with your life. He's intimately concerned with your growth. And this word helper, it's the Greek word uh, parakletos, It means to be called to one's side, to comfort, to intercede for, to help. Someone who pleads on our behalf. And so we get this picture that the Holy Spirit is a helper who comes alongside us. 
It's someone who, who helps us and empowers us and goes to bat for us in our lives. Jesus says that the Father will send the Spirit as another helper, which means that you, there has been a previous parakletos. And Jesus was that previous parakletos. And you begin to see is that God has been advocating for his people since the beginning of time. Two weeks ago, uh, we looked at uh, a talk on biblical manhood, and, and Chad Glover talked about how in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, they felt their shame and their nakedness. But what does God do? He clothed them. And he said, I'm going to send someone to help you. God was an advocate. He was going to bat to help them. Last week, Trent came and he talked about how God has always been providing ways to dwell with his people. And in the Old Testament, that looked like the temple and the tabernacle. And God came and he dwelt in the temple. And then when Jesus came, he came and he dwelt among us. And then God sends the Holy Spirit to live inside all followers of Jesus. Y'all, do not take this for granted. Don't miss this. God himself wants to dwell with you and be with you forever. The, the living, eternal, infinite God wants to be with you forever. Forever. This should cause us to have a sense of awe. This should cause us to, to worship God and praise God. And it's crucial that we understand this because there's a common temptation to believe the lie that God gives us his word, that he gives us his Bible, and, and he says, all right, now you live up to this standard, right? Clean up your life, do all the right things. That's so often a misrepresentation that's portrayed of Christianity. And sometimes it's portrayed, or it's portrayed before Christ, that you need to clean up your life before following Jesus. And sometimes it's honestly portrayed afterwards, that you, yeah, Jesus saved you from your sin, but now everything's on you. And now you need to go out and you need to figure this out yourself. Y'all, this will burn you out. This will wreck your spirituality. This will wreck your life if you believe that the Christian life depends on you and your power. Uh, in the workplace, you guys might have experienced this uh, from uh, your, your coworkers, your boss. Uh, when someone asks you to do something and you don't feel equipped to do that job, you don't have the resources or the training or the help. It is just one of the most defeating and helpless and powerless feelings. You know, when, when someone says, hey, I need you to go do this, and you're like, I don't know how to do it. I don't have the resources to do it. No one's going to show me. That is one of the most discouraging things that I can think of in a job. And unfortunately, we project that feeling onto our relationship with God if we're not careful, if we don't study his word. And what this looks like practically, if you're wondering, okay, is this something that's going on in my life? What this could look like is when you read God's word, do you think it's primarily on you to change your life? When you study the scriptures, do you think this is my responsibility primarily to change my life? When you feel convicted of sin, you think it's on you to clean up your life. When you want to know God or grow your relationship with God, you think it's on you to go and find him. And you need to seek him out primarily. And you need to be the one who initiates to him. If these things are true, and these things have been true in my life at multiple times, that's not the right way to look at it. It means I have a misconception, not just of what it means to follow God, but on who God is himself. I don't understand fully who God actually is. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. 
It says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into his likeness from one degree of glory to the other. This comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So what this is saying is Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God. And that God has set us free from sin, Satan, and death. And we can look at Jesus and we're being transformed. Not we're transforming ourselves. We are being transformed. And this comes from God through the Holy Spirit. And what you begin to see is that God has always been a helping God. God's power is the thing that's transforming us. God's power is the one that helps us to know Jesus and see him. Any time that you have been amazed at who Jesus is, any time that you've understood something about God, that has been the Holy Spirit teaching you that and showing you that in your life. Everything is just due to God's credit. And it's not to absolve ourselves of responsibility. We do have a part to play. We need to listen and respond and be humble to the Spirit. But the Spirit is the one that's primarily doing all these things in our lives. And this is a perspective that I hear often as I talk to young professionals. Uh, God is aloof or distant or impossible to please. Just kind of the sense of, like, man, does God really care? Is God really near to me? Is God really working in my life? I hear this often, and I've felt this at times. And it's just, it's not accurate. Because God is a helper who comes and lives in our hearts. God is someone who wants to come and he wants to guide us. He wants to transform us. He wants to teach us. And the Holy Spirit, it's not an impersonal force or an it. He's God himself. The Holy Spirit is God himself. He's a permanent helper. He doesn't leave us. And he's a helper. He's not a helper to get, help us get whatever we want. right? He's not a genie. He's not something that we just get to do everything and he kind of props us up. He's helping us see Jesus' glory and how wonderful he is and helps us live to bring Jesus glory. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. And once we begin to see the character of God, that God is concerned with helping us see his glory and live for his glory, then and only then do we look at how he helps us and what he does to help us. Point number two, the Holy Spirit helps us know Jesus and obey his commands. The Holy Spirit helps us know Jesus and obey his commands. Jesus continues on in verse 18. He's still using figures of speech. And we actually have the benefit of knowing what Jesus is talking about uh, because we have the whole Bible and the whole scriptures. The disciples, they're a little confused, right? They don't fully understand until actually uh, John 16, the the end of this narrative. Um, But in verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. And that day you will know that I'm in my father and you and me, and I in you. So what is Jesus saying here? He's talking about the fact that the very next day, Jesus is going to die. The very next day, he's going to leave them. He's going to die. But he's not going to leave his disciples as orphans. He's not going to leave them alone. He came to them, one, when he rose from the grave, two, when he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within them, and three, Jesus is coming back one day. Jesus is coming back one day physically on this earth to reign. And he is going to come back. And then Jesus, he sets up these two different camps of people. He says the world will not see him, but his disciples will see him. And there's the world and the followers of Jesus. 
Jesus says the world cannot see him. Why? Because sin and Satan have blinded their eyes. Sin and Satan have stopped anyone who is not a follower of Jesus from seeing God. In fact, if we went back to 2 Corinthians 3, right before that little section that we looked at from what Paul wrote, he says that there's a veil that covers our eyes. Later on, it says the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. And this is an uncomfortable truth, right? It's, it's not comfortable telling uh, anyone out in the world or even someone in this room who's not a follower of Christ, hey, you're blind. You can't actually see. That's a, that's a, a hard truth. But it's important that we, that we stop and we, we reflect on this for a moment because the Bible is very clear. And do not miss this, y'all. Sin separates us from unity and relationship to God. Sin separates us from God and it separates us from life. Jesus is life. And if we have sin, it separates us from him. And it's not just a group of people, right? It's not just the worst of the worst Being a good person doesn't get you into heaven. It's the whole world. Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of living for God's glory, which is the purpose that we were created for, to know God and enjoy him forever. And we've sinned against that holy, eternal God who created us. And so what we deserve, because we've sinned against that God that we talked about, that's so amazing and is infinite and holy and perfect, we deserve death and punishment. Because we've sinned against such a high authority. And when you sin against authority, there's consequences. And every single one of us, we deserve death and punishment because of our sin. But there's good news. right? The good news is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins to bring us to God and save us from death. And that's something that we are very passionate here. That's the foundation of what we believe in as, as followers of Jesus. He died our death. He took our sin on his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Titus 3.5 says this specifically, he saved us, he being God, not because of righteous things we had done, so we don't earn this, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by who? The Holy Spirit. And so we begin to see, okay, the Holy Spirit is intimately involved in helping us know Jesus. The Holy Spirit is actually the one who gives us new birth and new life into Jesus. God had mercy on us, and then the Holy Spirit helps us first by giving us a new life and faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to take a moment and ask the question, is that you? Is that you tonight? Do you have a relationship with God? Have you been made new through the Holy Spirit? It's important we ask because we never want to take this for granted. It's not enough to know this. And it might be a tough question. For some of you, you're you're not sure. Some of you in the room, you're like, yeah, I, I know I'm a follower of Jesus. Some of you are like, I know I'm not following Jesus. I'm not sure why I'm here. We are so glad that you're here. We really are. But some of you in the room tonight, you're like, I've been investigating this. I'm not sure if I'm following Jesus or not. And this was where I was at for the first 18 years of my life. I I grew up going to church. My parents, they loved God, and they taught me about Jesus. My older sister, she came to Christ when I was in high school. She loved God, and she taught me about Jesus. My youth pastor, he loved God, and he taught me about Jesus. And so I knew a lot about Jesus. 
I knew all the books of the Bible and I could tell you what they all meant and some of the truths about them and I knew different things about Jesus. And I went through confirmation, right? Like I got sprinkled. I loved doing communion on Sundays. I went to youth conferences. I even liked reading my Bible sometimes. I liked helping people. I mean, it wasn't awful. And some of you guys might relate to that. You grow up in, in cultural Christianity. You're around it, but you're not in it. But I was living a double life, and some of you guys might relate to this. Uh, outwardly around my family or church friends, I was, I was good. I would you know, try to help other people, and I would try to love, love other people. Uh, but when I was with my other friends, I was completely different. I was just selfish. I was arrogant. I would curse. I would lie to people. Um, I, I just... I was not a very nice person. I would mock people regularly to make myself feel more popular. I would routinely do things to put other people down. And it was just this dichotomy of I was acting like a Christian, but living counterculturally or to what that means. And so when I left home for college, I was torn, right? Because I knew that I should be a good person. I knew that I should follow Jesus because that's just what you do. That's the right thing to do is to follow Jesus. But I didn't really want to. And so I used my freedom in college as a cover-up for whatever I wanted to do. And I did for uh, a long time. I just, two months, it's not really a long time. Felt like a long time. It was not a good time in my life. I experimented with a lot of alcohol and materialism. I did. I thought maybe these things will make me happy. Maybe buying myself more stuff. I was selfish. I was flirting with multiple girls at the time. It was just unhealthy in the way I dealt with relationships. And the entire time I was miserable. I was so unhappy. I was the saddest I'd ever been. Grades were fine. Life was fine. But inwardly I was torn up because I knew outwardly I was not living the way that I was supposed to. But I didn't feel like I could do anything about it. And some of you guys might relate to that. Some of you are like, man, that's, that's where I'm at tonight. I'm just doing whatever I want. I'm trying everything the world has to offer, and it's not filling. But I had a friend who was a Christian. His name was Drew, and he was reading the Bible with me and continually reminding me of God's love for me. And so I knew that God was pursuing me. And so one night in October of 2012, after a party, I was walking home in the rain at 3 a.m., and I was just, it was my worst night of my life. I just thought, man, I hate the person I've become. I can't stand to look at myself in the mirror, and I don't know what I can do about it. I can't clean my life up. And so I got into my fraternity room. I sat down at my desk. I pulled open my Bible, and I just said, God, help me. I need help. And, and I cracked it open. And you know what passage I opened to? John 14. I don't know how I found it. But God led me there, and I read that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that resonated with me. I, I knew that, but I said, I don't, I don't know what that means, God. What do I do with this knowledge? It's not enough just to know this. I said, how do I know I love God and have a relationship? And I read all the way until I got to John 14, 21, which says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. And I read those words again and again, and I realized, man, I don't love God. Why? Because I don't obey his commands. And it was in that moment I realized I've never been able to do this myself. And I realized I needed a savior. And I realized I needed help. And so at 3.30 in the morning, I asked God to help me and change my life. 
And I experienced life change. And I realized that God loved me first, not because of what I've done, but because he sent his son to die for me. And then my life began to change. It's not anything that I did. The Holy Spirit just started to change my life. And he helps us know Jesus and obey his commands. He gives us confidence that we have a relationship with God. For the first time I knew, man, I'm confident before God. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22, And it's God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, set his seal on us, and has given us his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Y'all, the spirit is not just a helper for this life, but he is a promise that we know Jesus and will be with him forever. Do you know that, that if you've experienced the Holy Spirit working in your life, that is a sign that you will be with God forever and that your sins have been forgiven, that you're free. And for those of you who have not made the decision to follow Jesus, can I ask, is tonight the night that you might do that? It's tonight the night that you might decide you need help too. And you need a helper. And there's no shame in that. We all do. At some point, every follower of Jesus has been there. And you don't have to clean yourself up. And you can ask God to change you. Because he loves you. And he wants to see you love him back. And that's my story. I started to grow in my walk with Jesus. I started to read God's word. And that's actually uh, what Jesus continues in John 14 with. The, the very thing that I began to grow in was the, the, the next passage that I read that night. And one of Jesus' followers asked him this in verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot. This, Judas just really ruined the name Judas for forever. This guy is like, man, i got to clarify, not Iscariot. I'm not the guy who betrayed Jesus. Lord, how is it that you'll show yourself to us and not to the world? Which is a very good question. Right? Like, how can a physical Jesus appear to some people and not to others? How is this possible? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He's talking about the Spirit coming in and dwelling our lives as believers, and that we'll know and love Jesus through keeping and obeying God's word. Jesus continues, says, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And this leads us to point number three. The Holy Spirit helps us know and obey God's word. Holy Spirit helps us know and obey God's word. How do you get to know someone? Go ahead. How do you get to know someone? Spend time with them, talk to them, right? Exactly. You talk to them and you listen. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, this is not a dating talk, but I'm going to say some dating things, which are going to be fun. Uh, fellas, a little bit of advice for you. Girls love a guy who can carry on a conversation. They love a guy who can talk about themselves and ask questions and listen. It doesn't mean you need to dominate the conversation, and it also doesn't mean that you just need to continually ask questions. They want a little bit of mix. Girls, just so you know, guys may not exactly be as communicative as you hope. Just we're not trained for that, right? We do not think the way that you do. Uh, we're probably not going to talk as much as you want us to. And so the, if a guy's asking you questions, it means he's trying. I, I hope you know that. Um, let's give each other a little grace, right? Let's meet in the middle. 
go on some dates, get married, have kids, grow old. Amen. You're dismissed. (laughs) Anyways, anyways, words are an important part of any relationship. And, And specifically for Madison and I, letters have been a huge part of us getting to know one another and deepening our love for each other. Um, why? Because it allows us to express our hearts and to remind each other of what we uh, think and, and love and how we love one another. And I'm not going to look at her because I might get a little emotional. Uh, I keep a couple letters that Madison's written to me in my Bible and I pull them out and I read them often. This is one. I'm not going to read it to you all because this is for me, not you. Uh, but I read them often because I'm reminded of things that she said to me. And I'm reminded of the ways that she loves me. And I'm reminded of the way that she sees me. And so I go over and I I read this often. And she does the same with the letters that I give to her. And I keep her words close to me because I love her. And Jesus is saying in the exact same way, if you love me, you will keep my words. If you love me, you will keep my words. And so when God gives us his letter to us, the Bible, He's saying, keep this book and know this book because I love you. Keep this book and know this book because I want you to know me. And I want you to be reminded every single day of who I am and what I think about you and how I love you. And God, he can spell out for us because he loves us and he's given us a new life and put his Holy Spirit in us. He can tell us, now go and live out the commands of this book. Go and and live a different life. And I'm going to empower you to do it. And this can be a challenge, right? Because the Bible is kind of challenging to understand at times. Just like my handwriting in my letters to my fiance. It's not good. Sometimes she has to ask. Uh, But the Bible can be confusing, right? It's hard to read sometimes. We don't always know where to start. But, But listen to this verse again. Listen to this. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. God is teaching us his word. Jesus himself taught the apostles. And he says, I'm going to send the Spirit to continue to teach you. And then he's going to teach everyone who would follow the apostles, including us in this room here tonight. And this should give us a lot of confidence, right? This should, one, just give us confidence that we can trust the authority of the Bible. Because Jesus promised the Holy Spirit was going to remind the apostles of everything that they needed to know. And so as they were writing down uh, the Bible, as they were writing down God's word, the Spirit was guiding them, was inspiring them to write which means that if, if someone says, I don't trust the Bible, what they're really saying is, I don't trust God. I really don't trust that God could keep his word to us. And we can trust him because he's a trustworthy God. To, to trust the Bible is to trust God and his work in our life. It should also give us confidence, though, knowing that we don't have to figure out the Bible on our own. Like, we are not left alone to do this task that God has called us into. On Tuesday nights, I get together with a group of men, and we study God's Word together. And last Tuesday, or two days ago, we studied John 14, since I was preparing for this message. And one of the things that stood out to us was that the Holy Spirit continues to teach us, even after multiple years of following Christ. We'd all been following Christ for some time, and we were all expressing, man, I still 
can't figure out the Bible without the help of the Holy Spirit. I haven't gotten more independent in my need for God. And that's a blessing. It's a blessing that God will always teach us through his spirit. Sometimes we don't treat it like like it's a blessing. Why? Because it can be tempting to want to try to understand the Bible without the help of the Holy Spirit. And ultimately, the issue comes down to pride. And so I'm going to challenge us here as young adults because oftentimes we fall into one of three camps. And all of these are incorrect. Uh, First camp, some of us here, you get really discouraged when you see the Bible. And you start to feel really insecure. And you start to think, man, I, I, don't, I didn't learn this growing up, or I'm not really a good reader. And you begin to look at it, and you think, it's, man, it's intimidating. And, and I don't think I could approach this book. Can I just encourage you guys? God wants to give his words to you. God wants to teach his word to you. It's not about how well you can read. It's not about how much you already know. God wants you to know him. And so it it removes insecurity. It removes fear because he loves you and he cares about you and he wants you to know these things. And a Bible study or being taught or discipled by someone else how to read God's word, that's very important and would go a long way. But deeper than that, the Holy Spirit will teach you his word if you're a follower of Jesus. We can take confidence in that. You don't have to figure it out alone. That's one camp of people. Uh, the, the middle camp of people is the camp of people uh, who don't read God's word because you don't want to experience conviction of your sin. And, and I say that kind of bluntly, um, but it's true. We, we don't want to read the Bible because we know we're not living in according to, accordance with it. You, you might know God and, and you have a relationship with him, but the Bible says that we can grieve or quench the spirit. The Bible says that we can suppress the Holy Spirit in our life. We can say, God, I don't, I don't really want you. I would rather continue to live in the sin that you have saved me from. And so we don't go to God's word. And I'm going to challenge you tonight, don't do this. Let God's spirit work in you. When you feel that sting of convic- conviction, it's not because God hates you. It's not because there's judgment left. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. It's because God is trying to discipline you as a father and guide you back into fellowship with him because he wants to be with you and he wants you to walk with him every single day. So if you feel that sting and you're avoiding God's word, you don't need to be afraid. God's inviting you to come back to his word. And to the final camp, this is the camp of people who try to read the Bible to teach ourselves. Like I want to gain all the information myself or I just want to check something off a list. And I'm going to speak a little bit more firmly to these people here because oftentimes these are people who have been believers for a while. And, and frankly, whenever I'm here, uh, I should know better. right? I still need the help of the Holy Spirit, but I should never live this way. We should never approach God's word without a sense of humility. We should never approach God's word without a sense of asking the Holy Spirit to teach us. It doesn't matter if we've been following Christ for a year, five years, 11 years, or 50 years. We need God every single day to teach us and empower us to understand his word. And it doesn't go away. And it can be tempting to want to believe that, you know, we're doing okay because as adults we like to act like we have it all figured out sometimes. I don't know if you guys ever feel that. I certainly do. And that's not an attitude that we should have before the living God. 
That's not an attitude that's appropriate to express to a loving father. Could you imagine if Madison wrote me a letter and I said, no, 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 I know how you love me. I don't want to read that. I'm going to figure it out myself. It's unloving. And it doesn't, it's not humble. It's not teachable. And so we want to have a, a humble and teachable heart. Those are the three camps that we can be in. There's forgiveness, if that's been you. Uh, it's not a, a message to condemn anyone, but just to challenge us to go to God's word with humility and ask the Spirit to teach us. Another way that you might have experienced the Holy Spirit teaching you or bringing things to remembrance, if you've ever had a verse come to mind while you're throughout the day uh, talking with someone or you're in a situation, you're, you're talking to a friend, trying to give them advice, if you think of a verse, that is the Holy Spirit guiding you. That is the Holy Spirit bringing to mind the scriptures in your life. And sometimes we kind of think the Holy Spirit teaching us all things. We think it's going to be this mystical, like magical, I'm going to learn some secrets like that other people don't know. And that's not really the picture that we get from God's word. The picture that we get from God's word is that God the Spirit teaches us by reminding us of the Bible. And so if there's ever a point in your life, if you think something and you're wondering, okay, is this from the Holy Spirit? You can ask yourself, is this in accordance with God's word? If it's not in accordance with God's word, it's not from the Holy Spirit. God's not going to contradict himself. He doesn't change. And so we can be confident that God is trying to teach us the Bible. And it sounds maybe a little bit less exciting, maybe a little bit less um, uh, miraculous or awe-inspiring, but it is miraculous. That any of us have a relationship with God is a miracle. That any of us supernaturally understand the Bible through the help of the Holy Spirit is a miracle. We just need to see it as that. We need to understand that that's what it is. And God promises that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us and remind us of these things. The Holy Spirit helps us know and obey God's word. So to recap this passage, the Holy Spirit himself is a helper. The Holy Spirit helps us know Jesus, glorify him, obey his commands. And the Holy Spirit helps us know and obey God's word. And each and every day, we can trust the Spirit is working to bring glory to Jesus in and through our lives. To help us be obedient and conform to God in the way that God calls us to live. And he's going to teach us God's word and bring it to mind. And the challenge when you're teaching about God is that there's so much. Right? There, there, there's so much. And this is such a broad topic. And there's so much to who the Holy Spirit is. But I hope that this time tonight is just something that helps us set straight and have clarity of who does Jesus say that the Holy Spirit is? Who does God describe the person of the Holy Spirit as? Because we just, we want to understand more of God. We can't fully understand God because he's infinite and we're finite. I just want to, because there's so much, I just want to close with Jesus' final words in this passage. John 14 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. If you are here tonight and you're confused and you're like, I don't really feel like I get this, I'm confused, Uh, your heart is troubled about something, you need to know that Jesus gives you peace. And he says it's okay that you don't have all the answers. It's okay that you don't fully understand God. That's never going to happen. But what you can do is trust that God is going to continue to teach you what you need to know. And he's going to continue to guide you and love you and live with you. Because that's the God he is. And so we don't have to be concerned in any situations of our life. We can have peace. And that peace comes through the Holy Spirit. Um, For those of you tonight who know God, I would just encourage you, ask yourself, one, 
Uh, does this clarify some misconceptions I might have about the Holy Spirit? And, and wrestle with the truth of God's word. And, and go back and read it later tonight and say, okay, what does this actually say? I, I don't want you all to take my word for it. I want the Spirit to teach you. I want you to go and wrestle with God over these things. If you're here tonight um, and you're a follower of Jesus, you might just want to take confidence. Take confidence knowing that the Holy Spirit loves you, He's with you, and He's going to guide you. But for those of you here tonight who do not have a relationship with Jesus, I just want to challenge you. Tonight could be the night that you start a relationship with Him. Tonight could be the night that you experience a new life and you experience the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to wait. And if you feel the burden of your sin and the conviction of your sin, know that that is the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart. And he's calling you to have a free relationship with him and have forgiveness of sins. And so we're gonna, uh, the band's going to come up and, and they're going to sing and play some songs and we're all going to worship. And if you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with God, don't feel the need to sing. Uh, you can if you want to. But you can stay seated and just do business with God. You can stay seated and continue to ask yourself, God, what it is that you want to, be, uh, that you want to teach me? And I would encourage you guys to do that. Don't miss the call of God on your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need your spirit to, to teach us. God, each and every day, God, I need your spirit to teach me. God, I pray that we would continue to have clarity as to who you are. God, would you help us to understand uh, the truth about the third person of the Trinity? God, you're just a complex God, and I don't understand you. I can't wrap my mind around you, God, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I worship a being who I can't fully understand. But God, would you just help every single one of us to know you through your spirit? God, would we recognize the ways that you're working in our life? Would we recognize uh, the ways that you're teaching us through your word? And God, would we have humble hearts? God, would we not view you as a God who's aloof, God, but help us to see you as a, as a helper, as someone who comes alongside us and empowers us to know you and glorify you and obey your commands. And God, for the person in the room tonight who doesn't know you, God, I pray that would they experience the full conviction of their sin. God, would they experience your spirit working on their heart, God, and it's not comfortable. But God, would they see that despite the gravity of what they've done against you, God, that you are a loving God and you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for their sin and for my sin and for all of our sin so that we could have a relationship with you and be permanently with you through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And God, that that's a deposit that we know where we're going. We know we're gonna be with you forever. And God, I pray, God, would, where there was confusion, would there be clarity? Where there was fear, will there be focus and love? And God, would you just help us to know you more every single day of our lives? In Jesus' name I pray, amen.